You've heard Marty talk about Game Toppers LLC.com, but now it's Tony's turn. Hey, Marty, guess what? What? I just got a new couch at the house, and our coffee table is positioned such that a Game Toppers would work so well on that coffee table because this couch is one of those sectionals. And Donna can sit on one side, I can sit on the other side. The coffee table by itself is too low, Marty. I'm telling you, it's too low. It'll make me bend over. I'll have to get off the couch. But with a Game Toppers, I can put that on top of that coffee table. Would fit perfect, a four by four. And we can play our two-player games right there. It would fit great in with that new sectional we got. So if you're like me, Marty, and you just got a new couch, and you got a problem to solve... That Game Toppers right there will solve that problem of having to reach too far down to that coffee table. I like how you say a Game Toppers and put an S on the end of it. I know, it's a, Game it's a Game Topper. Well, don't make me do these and we'll be good. Well, you're the one that wanted to. I wanted to give it a try. Go out and check them out at GameTopperLLC.com. Now, see, there you needed to ask this GameToppersLLC.com. Oh, my gosh. Pod pledge, podge pledge. Game Start toppers. the music. Start the music. Vanessa, it's time to do the intro. I can't. My finger's broken. What did y'all talk about? Well, I'll talk about my trip to BGGCon, review Paladins of the West Kingdom, review Taverns of... Uh, I'll learn how to pronounce it later. And then you and your brother joined me for a review of Miyabi. So wait, how did breaking your finger keep you from being able to do the intro? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 187, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. I'm back. Yes, after having Ignacion last time, it looks like he did not replace you oh. he, as, as hard as he tried. I mean, he gave us a really great commercial and everything. Uh, he gave us a great episode, not just the commercial. I mean, the yes, whole he did. thing. Yes, he oh. did. And as we surmised, we knew that Stronghold Undead was going to fund, and it did by a lot uh, the project was $35,000. It closed at almost $140,000. So congratulations, Portal Games. And Tony, we finally are going to get the game we've been waiting for in 2020, Stronghold One Undead. Unless there are some production delays, and then we can go to 2021. He might be milking this. I don't know, Ignacy, but I think he does want to finally get this Get this thing off his plate. But I am so happy for Ignacy. I'm excited. There's a deluxe version with all these really cool bits and everything. I want the mat. I want the big neoprene mat. Um, I, I can't wait. I actually uh, got to uh, demo it at BGGCon. I'm I just now coming that. back from BGGCon. And I went over to the booth one afternoon and took the prototype that we used, set it up, and taught a lot of people in the booth how to play it. So people came by and I was showing them how it worked and everything. And uh, it was funny. It was like, even though we just played a few weeks, ago i was slowly going through the rules again to make sure that i had it right it's one of those things i just told people just slowly step through it and, and you'll get the game the actions you take are simple it's just you have a lot of really good options and it makes it even more I mean, tactical with all those options that you have but anyway people were excited to see it i'm glad it funded and we'll get to play it next year were they excited to see you at the demo or they were like oh good gosh he's gonna teach me really i wanted to get this done in under five hours <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, it, we didn't do a full demo. I just kind of went like an overview of the game. Just people wanted to kind of stop by and see how it worked. So I did the whole thing of the back and forth mechanic and and how, you know, some of the resolutions work with the combat and everything. So thanks for those who came by to, uh, to see it. And it uh, looks like Portal was, was hopping there. Uh, I did... Tony, bring us home a copy of the expansion to Empires of the North, Japanese Island. So I can't wait to try that. Can't wait to see that game back on the table. I'm glad you did that. So Luke was kind to you. So you worked for your um, expansion. That's good. I did. I, I did. I did. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of really cool games uh, I saw at BGG Con. It's been a crazy week, man. Crazy week because I'm at BGG Con uh, hanging out and I get a call from my wife, Vanessa, on Thursday. Actually, it's not even a call. It's a Snapchat saying, uh, yeah, so I broke my finger at school. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Wait, what? Hold on. You use Snapchat? Yeah. So all my sons use Snapchat, so I have to use Snapchat because that's what they use. So what's the Dyson name Snapchat chat? There's not one. Well, there should be. Well, no, no. This is just person to person. So these are, you know, more like messaging, but they like to use Snapchat because then the messages disappear and we can't hold them to it. See, so that's perfect. They can't hold us Dyson names to anything if they disappear. We can Snapchat back and forth with people and they can say, well, you know what they say? Oh, it's gone. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, back to Vanessa breaking a finger. Yeah, so she <laughs> works at a special education school and she was helping one of her students put a backpack on his back. That's a great place for a backpack to go, don't you think? Well, some of us just drape it over one shoulder, so he's obviously a two-shoulder holder. <laughs> he is. Uh, okay. However, th this student... Every once in a while has what they call, is it drop seizures or falling down seizures uh -huh. where he'll just kind of collapse. Uh -huh. And it's it's something that they're, they're used to and everything. Well, it just so happened as Vanessa was putting on his backpack, she had her finger under the strap of the backpack. He had one of the seizures and collapsed oh, and no. wrenched her finger and broke her right ring finger, a spiral Ooh. fracture. Oh, ow. Oh. And so all of her friends were like, they said it was basically I was standing beside you, and then all of a sudden I heard like a chicken bone crack. And I went, Oh, God. Oh, jeez. I'm going numb. I'm going numb. Oh, because I could just, it was no. like, snap. No, stop. Just stop. <laughs> God. And so, and so she sends me an x ray. And it's like, I see, ooh, the broken bone in the x-ray. But then she sends me a picture of her hand with her broken finger, and it's off to the side and oh. angled. <laughs> like, oh, my oh, God, dude. Oh, stop it. I'm squeamish. I'm so squeamish on this oh, stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. You, you don't like stuff like that? No. I, when Donna watches these medical dramas, I close my eyes. Oh, I hate this stuff. So thank you for sharing. I was, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that about Vanessa, but I'm now, and this is selfish of me. I was really hoping it was her middle finger so that she could Snapchat that with you. Hey, I broke my finger. Oh, there's actually a Seinfeld episode where George chased a guy in a car because they thought the guy flipped him off, but come to find out he had broken his middle finger and he had a cast on. Everything's a Seinfeld. Everything is a Seinfeld reference. So it's just been, it's one of those things she, she called me. I said, should I try to come home? So I said, all right, I'm going to see if I can get home the next day. 
I didn't buy flight insurance. I guess you should always buy, buy flight insurance because I like called up. Okay, I want to get an earlier flight. Uh, sure, Mr. Connell. Uh, so that'll be a $200 change fee mm-hmm. plus the difference in price between the mm-hmm. ticket you bought and the current ticket. And that's another $350. So that's $550. So I contacted Vanessa and I said, $550. She said, nope, nope. I'll, I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it. I did come home early on Sunday. I, I was managed to come on about... I'm about nine, 10 hours early, which was good because as soon as I walked in the door, you know what season it is, Tony? It's Christmas. And Vanessa's like, we got to get this house decorated. So here we go. And I'm, so she's over there with a broken finger and I'm setting up trees and stringing lights and getting ornaments out of boxes. It, it's just been a whirlwind. And then you have to record and you have to go back to work and then you got to head to Mississippi. You are, man. You are. Try- BGG needs to watch where they have this. Because that puts stress on the home life. If they're right up button up against the Thanksgiving week, oh my heavens. It is an inconvenient time for me personally. I because understand. Th- Thanksgiving is always so crazy. I assume she's okay. I'm, I'm sure everything. How long she's got to wear the cast? Uh, well, it's, it's not a cast. It is a, a splint right now. Oh, so there's a whole nother thing. So this happened at school. So guess what comes into play? Workman's comp. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You need to. You need to go through your safety. I completely agree. Oh, except they suck because she gets in touch with somebody. She goes to the occupational uh, medical place, the Ahmed place. They put a splint on it. Did not put a good splint on it. It's hurting over the weekend. They said, yeah, uh, the workers comp people, it's Thanksgiving. You may not hear to them till afterwards, but they're going to want you to go to a hand specialist because you may need a pen. And we're like, wait a minute, why not do this now? So she's very uncomfortable. So today she tries to call the person responsible for workman's comp at the office and gets a voice message. Hi, I'm out on a cruise on Thanksgiving. I'll be back in early December. Vanessa's like, are you freaking kidding me? Now what do I do? And they leave a number for them to call. An incorrect number. That's a bad phone number. So now she's (laughs) trying to track down who to call. She finally gets in touch with somebody, finally gets a claim number, and her hand is hurting so bad that we take her to the orthopedic urgent care, and they look at it and go, who put this splint on? I was like, oh my gosh. And Vanessa said, the like 85-year-old woman who works at Ahmed, it's like... Well, did did she did they use leeches too and le- and bloodlet you while you were there? What what is going on? So they took off this makeshift splint and put her in a good splint, but she still luckily has got it all worked out so that before we go to Mississippi, she's going to get to go to a hand specialist and see what they recommend doing, whether it be a pen or just leave it like it is. But oh my gosh, when you bring in bureaucracy, Tony, you know how it is. I mm-hmm. mean, her fingers broken, and they're like, well. I guess when What's-Her-Face gets back from her cruise, we'll look at it then. That's just ridiculous, man. I hate that. They've got to have a backup. I know somebody there. I may have to talk to them. I'm going to talk to them for you, man. I'm going to stand up for your rights. (laughs) Thank you. I I will say, I'm glad you've got to follow through that because you're right. If something, like her finger falls off, you... (laughs) Well, I hope it's not that. I, I know you need to be able to file the comp, you know, the workman comp. You got to do the um, short-term disability, and all that's got to be documented in today's world. I am surprised they are not trying to jump through hoops to make sure that this is very well documented. 
Anyway, Ooh. so so that's we're we're working on that. But I did have a good trip to BGG Con. I got to play a, a bunch of different games, Tony. Some that you'll be interested in, some others you won't. Like we played Ragusa again. I taught Tony. Taught, well, I taught I taught Rodney Ragusa, and uh, I come to find out, I understand why I should not teach games. <laughs> So I'm sitting here with the guy who's most well-known for teaching games, and I'm teaching Ragusa, and I think, I got this. I've played this, gosh, I don't know. I've played it a lot of times now, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't I don't need the rule book. Let me explain how this works. And so you remember in Ragusa, in the city, there's all these different actions you can take, and one of them is building walls. Mm-hmm. You remember about you build the wall section? Yeah. And if you have a long wall, you get points for, for the wall, so... I said, okay, by the way, one of the in-game scoring conditions is whoever has the longest wall gets 10 points. You know, kind of like a Catan. It's like, all right. So we started to play the game. It's so funny, Tony, because Rodney plays the game just like you. We're down there in the victory scoring spots, and he doesn't have a house down there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why am I not scoring any points? And we're like, because you got to go here. And he's like, but if I go there, you guys will get to do it too. And we're yeah, that's how the game works. So I said, this is exactly what Tony did. <laughs> he would, he didn't want to go down there to benefit anybody else, but it's like, but then he's not benefiting himself. And if you don't get down there soon enough, then you're going to really be hurting because when you go down there, you benefit them so that, yeah, it's a catch 22 down there. So anyway, so he said, fine, I'm going to work on a long wall. So he did put a lot of houses where he's working on walls and building uh, the archways, which help connect the walls and everything. And we get to the final scoring. I said, well, give me the rule book. I want to make sure to do this in order. And you know, that you, you do the things like, uh, you know, you can trade in your goods at that one location in order to score points based on whatever the values are. You have your in-game scoring conditions. And I paused and I went, oh, shoot. <laughs> Rodney, you remember the beginning of the game when I said the longest wall gets 10 points? He went, yeah, I said, yeah, that rule's not in there. I just made that up. <laughs> He's like, I based my whole game on having the longest wall. And I went, Everybody's like, just give him the 10 points. I said, all right, we did. He still lost, but I felt really bad because he built his whole game around building a wall based on a uh, assumption that I had that you got points for longest wall, which is not true. And that's one of those things. We play a game so much that, you know, when you, and you do, you go through so many, because this was not early in the convention, was it? Uh, It was about, no, it was about midway through the convention. So how many other games had rules have gone through it's going to intermix it's It's going to it's going to intermingle and so that's one of those things yeah you know how to play the game it was just all those little nuances yeah speaking how the nuances i played a three-player game of cloud spire good game great game three players not the way to play it Mm, really two of us were kicking the crap out of each other and the third guy was left alone joel eddie and he won the game because the each of me and matt knocked each other out Mm-hmm. So, so you know, the three players you can gang up on people. Yeah. Uh, we were wanting to play 2v2, but we couldn't find a fourth person to play. But still, uh, a really fun game. And I played the exact same faction I played before, um, just so that I, I would be familiar to it. But still a good game. But this was kind of a really cool highlight. There's a game that came out uh, from Phalanx called Nanty Narking. And it's by designer uh, Martin Wallace. And basically, it's, it's like a... I've heard of him. I've heard yeah. of Martin. I think, has he been on this show? I think he has. Wait, so wait a minute. Martin Wallace has been on this show? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Wildlands. He did yeah. that last year. Yeah, and Ignacy's been on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob Davia, Klaus Ta- Tauber, Toiber, 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 uh-huh. Benny, his son. Mm-hmm. 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 So well, you what's, know, what's, what's what's with all the name dropping? Just to show who's been on, man. Just the show. <laughs> okay. So anyway, this is a retheme of an older game called Discworld. It's an area control game with different victory conditions. I mean, it's it's a solid game. But as we're setting it up, lo and behold, Martin Wallace walks into the game hall. <gasps> I heard Martin Wallace has been on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. It's pretty cool. I know. So let, let, me make, <laughs> let, me, let me make you feel really good about that. I Ooh. run up to Martin Wallace. And I said, hey, uh, Martin, hey, how's it going? He said, hey. And I said, "Uh, Marty Connells. And I said, you were on our podcast last year. You went, okay. (laughs) And I said, yeah, we're over there playing your game, uh, Nanty Narking. You went, oh, okay. He said, I hadn't even seen the final version yet. I went, yeah. And I said, "Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. He went, sure. I said, we're the show that talked about, you know, what kind of lawnmower you had. And he said, lawnmower? I said, yeah. He said, I vaguely remember something about that. Mm. I said, okay, Mr. Wallace, it was really good talking to you again. And just left. You should. So, so, yeah, Tony, we've had all these people on the show for a very unmemorable experience is what it is. Or one they want to forget. (laughs) That's it. It was probably it. (laughs) They won't forget. Oh, my gosh. I was on that show. Oh, please pull that bad memory out of my head so um what did you think of it i've heard some praise from some people over in our um pod pledge channel talk about it i liked it it's one of those things you have to play a lot and here's why uh everybody has a hidden objective uh in the game the game will end when somebody finishes their objective the problem is you have to play a game enough to know what the different possible win conditions are mm-hmm so some of them are you have to control so many areas. Some are you have to have so many agents out on the board. And unless you know that, you don't know what to do to keep somebody else from winning. It's a good game, but I don't think it's a game that you can play once and you kind of come to a really good conclusion. Okay. I think it's one of those things you got really got to play multiple times and see the different ways you can win. But still, solid game. I think it's coming out now soon. I think it came out to the Kickstarter uh, recently. But nothing that just came out that was a, a re-release. Talk about that was a re-theme. Joel Eddy taught us bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was ca- released on Capstone Games, the first splatter game I ever played. And Tony, I think we would like that game. I don't even know. What, I, I, when you say that word, I hear slaughter and that word splatter or splotting. Splatter, yeah. What the heck is that? You know the game uh, Food Chain Magnate? That was a big, it's a splatter. It's a, it's a d- publisher. Oh, much S-P-L-O-T. better. Yeah, yeah. It's a publisher, a splatter. It's a, it's, and they have these really kind of dry types of games. Well, there was game came out in the late 90s. The whole goal is you're trying to build a bus network in order to try to move people around the city. But what's really, really cool about it, it's an, a worker placement game, but you don't resolve the workers till the end of the round. Or each place you place your workers is a different action you can take. They always resolve from left to right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the person who goes last, resolves last, has the best things that they can do. For example, laying out uh, pathways on the map is good. But if you're first to put your pawn there, you're going to be last to go, but you'll get the most sections that you can put out on the board. But what that means is everybody that went before you may lay one of their little uh, road pieces or track pieces down on the board before you can, even though you get to do more of them. You always go left or right, but sometimes the person going last will have a benefit that, as opposed to going first. It's um, It was just a really cool little worker placement mm-hmm, game that mm-hmm. for a splatter game, 
I thought was really, really cool. I'd love to play again. Another epic fail on my part. I mean, w- the name of this is for a game that we're going to talk about later. Um, one, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. I should have called it the wheels on the bus. I should have known. No, 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 no. I, to be honest with you, I would rather like give this a full, if we ever get to play bus, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a scurry report game. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed that too. Oh, I tried to roll and write you. Oh no, wait a minute. You don't like Tetris type games, do you? Okay. It depends. I enjoyed bricks, the stronghold game bricks. I enjoyed doing that one. Okay. okay. And, uh, uh, drizzle I like. That's kind of Tetrisy. I'm not very good at patchwork or that Viking game, uh, Feast of Odin. So, uh, you know, it, it depends. It really depends on how they apply the Tetrisy feel. But but you enjoyed a rolling right that had a Tetrisy feel? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Because uh, Tiffany Cars from Haba was showing us a game that she's considering bringing over to the U.S. next year called Fiverr Fighting. It's, it's a German name. The concept is really simple. You have a grid with different shapes on them, six different shapes. You roll five dice. Your goal is, is to find a matching five connecting boxes that have those same five shapes in it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a word search except for shapes. Okay. And what you do is you try to find as many as you can. And when you think you've got enough, you flip a timer, then everybody else has 30 seconds to finish up. So everybody's scrambling to try to find as many as you can. And the more you find, the more points you get. I stunk so bad at that (laughs) game. So Tetris is not the right way to say it. But what they do is they show you all the different possible shape combinations you could have to have five connecting things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's five in a row. It's three up, two over, et cetera. I just, I did horrible. I'm sitting there staring at this grid. I can't find these five things that can... ah. Anyway, it's a solid game. I think I told her, I said, I think people will like this because it's real easy to pick up. I just stunk at it. Okay. Well, I mean, I remember playing, I mean, Second Chance has that Tetris-y feel. It sounds interesting. Oh, what was the other one I played recently that had uh, Tetris-y Second Chance? There's a patchwork game that you and I played where we were coloring in blocks and having to make the biggest squares. Oh, there's so many of those out there now. How can that game break into, I mean, there's so many other games like that. And that's actually what she was concerned about. She mm-hmm. says, there's so many rolling rights. Is this one that's going to stand out? And, and she has a good point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think she's trying to decide whether she wants to pull it. It's, it's big in Germany. She's just not sure whether the U.S. market would, would want to do it. Okay, I can understand. Now, what did you think of the new hotel where BGG was? It's very nice. I like it way better than the old hotel because... There's food? Well, that's one. I don't feel like I'm in a dungeon. Mm -hmm. With the other one, the open gaming area was downstairs and there was no windows or anything. Here, the main hall where you gamed opens right up to the outside. So, it you know, you get sunlight. You don't feel like, you know, it's dank and and dungy, dingy, but Mm -hmm. it's spread out all over the place. Meaning the open gaming areas upstairs you got to go downstairs to the library you got to go downstairs to another floor for the exhibit hall so everything's really spread out more so people may not like that because it's so spread out i think it's better set up because it just it feels more airy and the fact that yes you can walk to food now we found a sweet place called cindy's new york deli where they had like a breakfast you could get every day for eight be- eight bucks, where you get two eggs and bacon or sausage and toast or two pancakes. We ate there like three times. It was amazing. So we had Cindy's New York Deli in Dallas. Yeah, that was kind of weird. 
Okay. But, but here, I do, we did find a really cool spot. It was called Ellen's Southern Comfort Food. Mm. Now, when I found this, I said, guys, would you be interested in trying that? And they went, yes, let's, let's go try that. So we did. I tried an appetizer that I have never, ever had before, and I can't believe uh, that's, it's not around here. It's fried grit balls. I think I've seen that. I don't know. But okay, I can. All right, you, you can fry anything. You can fry a Milky Way. You can fry yes. some grits. But they have different flavors. They Ooh. have a, a cheesy grit ball. Oh, that'd which be was good. Delicious. That'd be so good. Just a regular grit ball. Eh. They had a grits with crab meat in it that was mm. fried into a grit ball. It's like the size of a big hush puppy. I was going to say how you know other than cornmeal, what is grits? You know, hush puppies are nothing more than cornmeal. But the weird one that was oddly good was a blueberry one. Ooh. It could be like a fried donut. It, it kind of was. And they gave you this little dipping sauce. It was like a sweetness. It was like a sweet marmalade like to it. But anyway, fried grit balls was really good. But then I also got a sampler of homemade pimento cheese, Ooh. which none of the people I were with had had. They've never had pimento cheese? Never had pimento cheese. <sighs> Now these are people from all over the place. It's you know it's it, I had Chaz from Oregon and Joel from Idaho, Matt from Boston, Jamie from Pennsylvania, and Rodney from Canada. So pimento cheese doesn't exist. So I was explaining to them what it was. <laughs> I got to give Rodney credit. Rodney is willing to try stuff and immediately will latch onto it if he liked it because the boy number one learned to like grits, and now he likes pimento cheese because it was pimento cheese and pita chips. Oh, that's so good. He ordered a burger and I said, oh, you did it. Top that burger with a big old scoop of pimento oh, yeah. cheese. Bring it on. He did and loved it. Mm. Slap, uh, slap a little applewood smoked bacon on that as well on that burger. Mm. So good. So good. Good yep. for you. I don't care what games you, uh, you brought them into a culinary treat. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, did. I did. And everything had a, a Southern name. To it. The only weird thing to it was the decor was not Southern at all. It was like an upscale restaurant with zero Southern decor. And it was uh, kind of, I call it comfort food when there, when it wasn't very comforting on the, on the inside. Okay. But so all in all, how many games did you get to play? And there were I don't know. By 20 the way, plus? We, twenty. We need. I wasn't that many. By the way, we need to play Time Chase. Do you like trick taking games? I you cannot believe we haven't we haven't played this yet. Because when you take tricks, you leave them out on the table, and you have a way to go back to previous tricks and change the trump suit to where you can change the result of a previous trick. Bring it on. It is really, really cool. Really cool tile-laying game called Babylonia I really enjoyed. Wavelength. Have you heard about this? A party game called Wavelength where it has this cool plastic device with a window that you can uh, open and close. It exposes a uh, a white dial behind it. It's a plain white dial that has like a little wedge uh, in the middle of it. And you close the window and spin the wheel. And then you as the person giving clues opens it and see where the wedge is. It's either far, it's either far all the way to the left or all the way to the right or in the middle. And then you have a card that you may says left is cold. Hot is right. And you try to give a word to get the people to think, to determine where the wedge is, the scoring wedge. So if I say like liquid nitrogen, you'll go, Oh, then it's all the way on the left-hand side. If I say liquid hot magma, you would say it's all the way on the right. But if I said like a warm bath, then you would go, where's that? 
Is that right in the middle? Is it more to the left, to the right, towards hot, to the left? It, it's a cool little party game. It is, it's kind of gimmicky. I got a copy of it, told me you can try it. It, it was one of those things that it, the, the gimmick is really cool, but there are a lot of games that also uh, do that like that too. Oh, I got to play. Guess what I got to play? Return to Dark Tower. I was going to ask you about that. I've been waiting on it. So I got to sit down with Rob Davio and Isaac Childress mm-hmm. and play Return to Dark Tower. That tower is flipping cool. So it's controlled by a phone app. And um, basically, it, it reads through the narration for you. It tracks everything at the end of your turn. You're basically moving around this tower. You're trying to do quests. You're fighting monsters. And you fight monsters through the app. It presents you 10 cards. You pick a couple cards. You're going to flip over. They tell you the results. You can spend tokens that you earn uh, or, uh, in order to make the results better so it's not bad for you. But at the end of every turn, you have to drop a skull into the tower. Okay. And every every once in a while, one of the windows on the tower lights up, and you have to open it. And if skulls fall out onto the board, you have to put those skulls into areas, and that basically damages that area. And if it gets so many skulls, that area is going to like it destroys buildings and stuff. So the whole game is you're constantly trying to keep the area cleared from skulls that fall onto the table, progressing towards the main quest, which is defeating a big bad. And did you, were you so impressed by this that on your engineering skills that you were like, this is so cool that you just completely were mesmerized by the dark, dark tower. I, I was mesmerized by the, by the dark tower. It was really cool. Cause you have these, there's three drums in it that rotates and there's lights that light up and the little doors come off. It's constantly glowing red. There's going to be sound effects in it, but we just couldn't hear it. And it was so funny. We actually did pretty well. We kept everything cleaned up. We won the game and we looked at Rob and said, Rob, what do you think? Rob said, it's too easy. Isaac, it's too easy. We got to tweak this thing. So next day I see him and I said, yeah, it's not as easy as it was last night. You got to come play again. I went, no, I think I beat it. I'm good. <laughs> wow anyway they're they're in the process of, of tweaking a lot of stuff but it is coming out on kickstarter next year the the tower is pretty impressive it's going to be a, a a big kickstarter and speaking of isaac i got to try out gloomhaven the new version is going to be coming out at target mm-hmm. he wanted somebody to play test the game who's never played the game before and unfortunately that's you me and roddy never played so he gave us the rule book he did a blind play test we walked through the rule book and played the game it's going to be a solid game, man. It doesn't use map tiles. It uses a book. You know, like in uh, the Ryan uh, Lockett uh, games where mm-hmm. you use books. When It's going to be the exact same thing. So the book is, uh, the campaign is a book and the map is in the, in the book and you play on that. It's really easy to pick up. It's going to be a hit. This sucker is going to, he's going to make so much money off that game. That's going to be coming out next year. It's not going to be on Kickstarter. It's going to be straight to retail. And he says probably going to be in the second half of 2020. Okay, so not letting me crazy money off the first one. I know. But the problem was, it's intimidating, right? You've got that big Gloomhaven box sitting there, and we haven't played. And why? Because it's intimidating. No, because nobody wants to play with me. It's not that. Okay. It is intimidating, though. And the last game I'm going to talk about, because I was excited to play it, Sanctum from CGE. Basically, they said, this is like Diablo. I said, I want to play and I want to play now. Mm-hmm. So Joel, Joel Eddy uh, learned the rules and he taught us. This is from the same designer that did Adrenaline. You remember Adrenaline was like a first person shooter game on a board? Yes. Area control. If you kill the person, I still like that game. Yes. When I first saw it, I thought it was going to be a dungeon crawler. It's not at all. 
it's more like Diablo, but it's PVP. So you have this nice board where you're you're going down a path and you you fight monsters. When you fight monsters, uh, you roll dice. The monsters have a certain die value that you must match. Maybe you need uh, one three or one four. Some of the harder monsters need multiple dice that match in order to kill the monsters. If you can't match the die rolls, you have a couple items that you can use to increase or, or decrease the die roll by one. And when you look at your player board, it looks exactly like Diablo. There's a big red bowl that holds red tokens that are used to, for defensive purposes, for blocking damage. There's a big blue bowl that's like mana, and that's what you can use to modify the dice. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, so follow along. Once you defeat a monster, you flip it over, and now it's an item that you can equip that makes you be able to manipulate even more dice or add more tokens to your pool. But hold on, because there's a skill tree. Whenever you defeat a monster, it allows you to move tokens up and down your or up your skill tree based on the color of monster you beat. It could be red, green, or blue. But there's three different skill trees, one red, one green, one blue. And as you move tokens off skills and open them up, you put them in your play area. Now you have a new skill. So you get new skills through a skill tree. You then get new equipment that make you better. And at the very end of the game, once you feel like you've beefed up enough, each of you are going to take on a big bad, which is extremely hard to beat. Personally, the most life left at the end wins. Or if all of you died, which could happen, whoever progressed the most during the big bad fight, which consist of like eight different stages. There's like eight cards that come out or something, eight to 10 cards that come out and you must fight each card. Whoever got the furthest along wins the game. What is so cool about it is you would think it's a dice chucker, uh, Meritrash game. It is strictly a Euro. It is ultimately a Euro game where you're trying to find the best way to manipulate your resources in order to tweak the dice, in order to beat the monsters, in order to get the right skills unlocked. It's really good. It is really, really good. And is it out now? Going to be out? It is. I may have a copy downstairs. Oh, okay. You might. You might have one of those. Okay. I, I might. I might have one of those in, in case you're interested and, and want to try it. If if you like the sound of that. So if you're listening to this and you see Sanctum, it does look like a like a co-op adventure game. It's not. It's a PvP Diablo style Euro game. All right. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you made it back safe. I mean, I I got to play some games. Not that you care. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. What'd you play? Did you play? Some, what'd you play? Tell me about it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm kind of be let. I'm tired I'm of talking a- because I. I <sighs> you wouldn't let me get a word in. There's even more stuff I play. It'll come out later some other time. But yeah, what'd you play? Well, I've got to play the expansion to Decrypto Laser Drive. Oh, now people may be wondering what's a laser laser drive. They might be. And they should because they're not as old as us. And that's okay. A laser drive was a way to watch movies back when you and I were growing up. It was, did it come out after the VHS? Oh, yeah, for sure. And they, they, they were talking about the quality of it. And you could buy these big album laser drives. And then suddenly, poof, it was gone. It's kind of like beta, beta tapes. Boom. Yep. They were gone. But so, you know, Decrypto is two teams are going against each other. You're trying to guess the code. I uh, won't go too much into Decrypto. What the expansion to Laser Drive is, it allows you to you flip over a card, and that card gives you a category. For instance, historical figures. All right, Marty? So you have your okay. four code words in front of you. 
And you flip over card, it says historical figures. One of your clues must relate to that topic. Okay. All right. So you're sitting there, and let's say, for instance, you had a clue, and you were like, hmm, it was torpedo. And the other clues that you needed to give, you really couldn't come up with a historical figure. Your clue would have to tie back to a historical figure. Okay. For instance, you could say Nimitz. Or better yet, let's say it said a fictional book, and your clue will have to match torpedo. Which, by the way, <laughs> we got into a debate about this. People were playing to crypto thinking you only had to give just one word. I'm like, no, that's just one. <laughs> that's not to crypto. Well, we play it where you can only give one word. I said, you're not playing it right then. <laughs> that's right. Then you're playing it wrong. It's like playing Ragusa and saying that you get 10 points at the end for the longest wall. Now, if you, if you can give three clues that match your category, then you get a new token. And if you get two of those tokens on your turn, you can turn those two tokens in and you can guess one of the words that the other team might have and that will give you an intercept token. And as you remember, two intercept tokens is a win. So you don't have to guess the code twice. If you know one of the words, then you can guess exactly that word and you can get an intercept token. Now, does that really matter in this game? No, not really in my opinion, but the topics were kind of fun. Those were neat. But then somebody looked at me when we were playing this and they go, it's not that the crypto isn't hard enough. Why would you make it even harder? Why would you add an expansion? Because people wanted to add a little bit to it. So they were quizzing me on why would you expand to crypto? And I'm like, because it can be, you know, it's, we got into that one of those, one of those discussions. And as soon as we flipped over the first one, we immediately had a house rule in place. What was that? If the team did not like the, the category, they got to flip another card. Oh, okay. Well, what are we doing here? We <laughs> haven't even played the expansion yet, and we're already house ruling. What is this about? And it was the wives against the men, and I understand that. And I, they were like, well, it was, and my wife had to give clues, and she was given the first one, name, living or dead historical figures. Okay. Uh, and I can understand some of her clues. I think she had autumn. And uh, some other words that she had. And I was like, okay, I can see where that may be a trouble to you. But that was laser drive to crypto. If you haven't put, if you were looking for another reason to get to crypto on the table and you're tired of the same old, same old, laser drives adds a little bit more challenge for you. So, uh, so yeah, look into it. I mean, it's, it's out and it was, I enjoy playing to crypto. Well, it's a solid game. I mean, it got a lot of good buzz last year. So it's still, it's good to see they're still supporting it with um, expansions. Right. And the only other thing is I went out and bought the expansion for Sagrada so I could play up to six player. But <laughs> I have still yet to play Sagrada. Not my fault. <laughs> it is. I don't have a copy. You have to teach me sometime. Give me an opportunity. Unlike these games we got to talk about on this show. I mean, if you let me slide something in there on something old, but no, got to play the new. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, I want to play the old because we got like the new version of Castles of Burgundy and the new version of Puerto Rico, which are new versions of all games. I'm still looking forward to playing. The new version of Power Grid, the new version, yep. yeah, yeah, and new Kalis 1303s coming out. So it's really, it's really cool to see these old games being refreshed, like Bus that we played. I mean, yeah. that's that's a refresh too. It's a star, Catan Starfares that we recently covered. <laughs> Age of Steam Deluxe version. We got to get on the table. But no, somebody's got to go to Thanksgiving in Mississippi. 
<laughs> and play games there. I'm taking a bunch of there too to play. All right. Well, hopefully they'll come back with you in case I haven't played them yet. Just saying. Oh, they will. You know what? That's great that you had a great time at uh, BGG Con. Maybe if I ever get allowed to go to two cons, I can go back to. Okay. Rank them. You ready? Yeah. BGG Con, Gen Con. I'm going to give you four, by the way. Pax U Origins. As far as what? I'm sorry. Let me go over the rules for rank them oh, because obviously you don't know how to play the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Explain to me. And next time we do it, maybe you can explain it better because Klaus Teuber <laughs> obviously didn't understand the rules to the game. We interviewed him. All right. So I'm going to go by, uh, you know what? I'm going to go by least hectic to most hectic. Here we go. BGG con is the least hectic con. Pax U is the second. Lie. Origins is the second, then Pax U because it's just shorter, and then BG. I mean, Gen Con is so far hectic down the list; it's it's insane. So there you go. There's my four. All right. So you're ranking on the least hectic. So if you're looking for a a con that is least hectic, Marty recommends BGG Con, and I didn't throw in the local cons like Mega Moose Con, Tantrum Con, which is coming up, and oh, and this drops in about two months, so that's we got to put that on our calendar. That uh, which is my birthday weekend. We'll see if I can pull that one off. Yeah, yeah it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's nothing special. You've already turned fifty. We don't have to worry uh, about. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. I don't really care anymore. That's right. I just rather just skip it. All right. Well, let's go talk about a game that you and I got to play. As a wise, nice man once told us, when you do a commercial, you must state the problem and then solve the problem for the consumer. So the problem that you might be having right now is that you don't have Stronghold Undead yet. It's not 2020 yet. So you need to look at PortalGamesUS.com for their other great classics that they have out there. That will solve your problem. That's right. If you go out to their website or to Miniature Market or wherever, you can pick up Nirishima Hex. Incredible game. Great two-player game to take place of the emptiness you feel from not having Stronghold Undead yet. Or better yet, you can pick up Stronghold. That's a Stronghold game, but it was designed by Ignacy. It still counts in my book. Or better yet, how about a cooperative game like Robinson Crusoe? or the many expansions that come there or you've got a problem you've got people coming to the house and you need a game night something that can be displayed on a large monitor detective that will solve that problem right there that's right go out and get you detective for a case solving night where everybody will be engaged watching the tv and not worried about the little board in front of them great discussions taking notes oh what a way to handle those awkward moments with the in-laws that's right portalgamesus.com i solved your problem for you five minute initiative begins in three two one. I've been a big fan of the series of games from Shim Phillips based on Vikings and Paladins like Raiders of the North Sea, Architects of the West Kingdom, and now, just recently released, is Paladins of the West Kingdom from Shim Phillips and S.J. McDonald. All these are provided by Renegade Games. All of them are worker placement games. All of them have some amazing art. But Tony, I was excited to try Paladins of the West Kingdom because I had heard that this was a little bit more thinky than the others. And boy, Tony, that is an understatement. My brain 
exploded. It hurt. Oh my goodness. That game caught me so off guard, Marty. Uh, it's not just workers. It's multiple color workers. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of your turn, you got a deck of paladins that you're going to, everybody's going to pick one to play. And when you do, it gives you a couple different color workers to use and maybe a special ability. And then you're going to draft from these cards that give you four additional workers and you're going to pick based on color which ones you want because, Tony, on your player board are all these actions that you can take by playing different colors of workers in order to take those actions. And that's the part was starting to blow my mind a little bit. Figuring out which colors, and you've got a small engine. Each round, you've got that engine of colors going in front of you. What do you want to accomplish? Because you're building your village. Because sometimes you can, when you build, you can reduce the amount of workers you need. Because in the end, Marty, how do we win this game? Well, it's always about victory points in, the, in this style of game. <laughs> oh, yes. But the thing that gets me is, it's kind of like, Terra Mystica in, in that when you take some actions, it allows you to remove a piece off your board, which unlocks something. Mm-hmm. So there may be like a building that you remove that you cover in another spot. But by doing that, that gives you an additional worker that round to do something with. And you create the all these really cool combos. But when I was just starting to grasp that, Tony, it's the other thing that kicked in combined with this that just was like crazy. There's these three traits that you track over the course of the game. And these traits, the higher you go up, the more victory points you're going to get. But these three different color traits are also have to be a certain level to take some of the actions. Mm -hmm. And some of the actions will allow you to increase the trait of another color. So it may be, I'm going to go to this action spot on my board, activate it. For me to be able to do it, I need to have my, my blue at a certain level. And if I successfully make this action, it's going to cause my black to go up. And then I could possibly take this other action, that which requires a black to be a certain level, one, two, or three. And by doing that, it may cause the red to go up. So you're constantly bouncing back between these types of actions to get the right colors moved up on the track that you need to be able to activate the more powerful actions later on the game. Oh my gosh, even trying to think about it and what we went through is just... I need an aspirin. To your point, though, you're doing this on your board, but there is also a communal player board where Mm. you are putting out items as well. And based on what you just talked about, the various levels, you can place your tokens out there as well that will give you special actions. So you're having to balance that because if you're not high enough, the other players are covering that up and that may mess you up because you need to go there, but you can't because, Oh my, I thought I was doing so poorly in this game and not generating the right things, not doing the right victory points. Something just felt so off. But then at the end of the game, when we revealed our scores, we were all did very well. I felt vindicated, meaning, Hey, I actually played this well. And that, that gave me great satisfaction. And like every time you take an action, you get to like move a piece from your board, like onto the main board, which gives you an additional action. But there's also these really cool things where you can like fight people, the outsiders who are trying to mess you up. And when you do, you'll get a quick benefit or you can recruit them into your player area, which gives you additional benefits. And I also really like cool. Also, Tony, I love the way the rounds were tracked. Uh, there were there were with uh, randomized cards that were put on the board, and the first three rounds revealed in-game scoring mm-hmm. that gave you victory points at the end, and the rest of the cards, the rest of the round, just gave you benefits that you could use. Right, and there's your replayability. And Marty mentioned about the cards that you're showing, where you 
draw three cards. You pick the one you want to use, put one on the bottom, put the other one back on the top. These de- This is not changing from the standpoint of every game is going to use those. But so as you know them, it's going to impact how you play the game on how they come out. You And the more you play this, the more you'll know this, the better you'll get at this game. Highly recommend this game from me. I really enjoyed it. I hope we get this one back on the table soon. Tony, let me ask you something. There are three different types of games. Raiders of the North Sea, which is kind of your entry-level worker placement game. Architects of the West Kingdom, which has this really take-that mechanic. You have Yes, you have these big pools of workers that you can use, but you can send workers to prison and people have to get them out. So there's a lot of going back and forth. And then this one, Paladins of the West Kingdom, which is more thinky, uh, more of a heavy Euro Tony, of those three, is there one that you prefer more than the other? Does it matter in the mood that you're in? It's all about the mood, Marty. It's all about the mood. So for a heavier game, we're going to pull this one out. But if you just want a quick play of something, it might be Raiders of the North Sea. Regardless, if you like heavier Euro games, please check out Paladins of the West Kingdom from Renegade Games. Five-minute initiative is complete. I can't believe it, but we're approaching our seventh anniversary. And as we do on every anniversary episode, we'd like to get some feedback from our audience. Those six to eight people who still listen to us. Hey, mom. And what we're going to do is, as always, we're going to have a little survey that we're going to put out there that we would love for you, the audience, to fill out and just give us some feedback on how we're doing. Uh, Tony is going to put up a, a poll out there that we're going to have a link to that you can go and answer some questions, you know, maybe, I don't know how long you've been listening or segments that you like, or please stop talking about lawnmowers, whatever you want to tell us. Right, Tony? That's right. That survey is going to be out there for you to fill out. It's not going to be like it was a couple of years ago where it was 400 questions. I'm going to keep it fairly small this year. We're going to go around, oh, about a hundred. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's only going to be eight to 10 questions. For filling that out. You know there's going to be a contest associated with it. There's got to be. There's got to be. For every person that fills it out, you're going to be entered into a contest. Or we always have in our anniversary episode, we're going to be giving away some games. We're going to be giving away some gift certificates to Miniature Market. Uh, we just It's just a little kind of a way to give back for you taking time to fill out the survey. But you know what? Hey, if you don't want to fill out the survey, but you still want to be able to enter, there are other ways. Like, Tony, they could go join our BGG Guild at 1589. Every member of our BGG Guild is going to be entered in this contest. They are? Yes. Okay. What about else? Is anybody else getting in this thing? Oh, sure. Why not? Let's go ahead and throw everybody that's in Facebook. If you're in Facebook, you're thrown to the contest. Wow. Okay. So there's three people. I can account for those. Our Facebook likes. All right. Can we stop there? No, because what we're going to do also is we need to get some people on Instagram, Tony. You did a good job, by the way, at BGG on that. All the young kids are doing the Instagrammies. And I thought, okay, we need to learn how to do the Instagrammies. So if you would, if you would go follow us on Instagram, Dyson Names, every person that follows us on Instagram will also be entered into the contest. Have you verified we can see who's following us? Yes. I just don't want you to be offering too much here. Oh, and there's one more. We also have Pod Pledge, where a lot of people support us. If you're backing us on Pod Pledge, you're also automatically entered into the contest. And if you want to get in on that, you can go out to podpledge.com. If you want to, just drop a dollar in the tip jar. That'll get you in. So what am I saying here, Tony? I'm saying that if you do the survey 
and like us on Facebook and join our BGG Guild and follow us on Instagram and support our pod pledge. That is five ways to enter the contest. You get five entries. The more things you do, the more entries you have, the better chance you'll have to win. You know what amazes me the most? What's that? After seven years and doing a podcast, you and I are still friends. That's pretty good, dude. <laughs> you put up with my crap for seven years, man. I'm proud of you. I think it's the other way around. You're putting uh, up with mine. You're going to do what again? There'll be a link to the survey in our show notes and wherever else Marty wants to stick it. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Yeah, in fact, if you're using uh, your app to listen to this, scroll down right beyond the or in the timestamps, you're going to see like contest. That'll take you straight to the little survey to fill out. All right, Black Friday's over. Did you miss the big sale? Oh my gosh, you missed the big sale, didn't you? Well, they missed it because it's been going on all week, Marty, while you were at PGG Con. <laughs> Miniature Market had a crazy, crazy Black Friday sale, but it's not over. Okay, you may have missed the Black Friday. You got to pay attention to miniaturemarket.com because they're constantly putting things on sale. Remember, they always have the drop or every day they're putting a game on the list that's going to drop in price over time until they decide to take it off sale or they run out so you got to follow that so you need to join their newsletter that you can get on at miniaturemarket.com you need to visit their site daily it's not too late to order some stuff for your friends for the holidays so go check out miniaturemarket.com five minute initiative begins in three two one. Another game that we got to play recently is, oh man, Marty, I'm going to screw up this name something. Is it, can you do me a favor? Yo, what's that? Rodney did a watch it played video on that. Why don't you just grab a snippet of him saying this game is, and we can reference back to him every time we need to say it so I don't screw up the name. All right. So this game from North Star Games that we played is called The Taverns of Tiefenthal. And that is designed by Wolfgang Varch. See, I even messed that up. I'm sure Rodney got that right too, but that's <laughs> okay. Should, let's not worry about Rodney that. Clip for that too. Okay, so here is a game that is a dice placement and deck building game for two to four players, ages 12 and up. And I can read you this beautiful game overview, but basically, when they say deck building, you've got that mechanic in it. You've got dice rolling. You've got a tavern, and what you're trying to do is produce enough beer to bring in new guests into your beer hall, and those guests are worth victory points at the end of the game. There's also victory points on your board. Whoever has the most victory points is the winner. Key components to this game are each person is rolling four dice, but one of my favorite parts, Marty, is dice drafting. You pick a dice that will do an action on the board and you pass it along. I love that part of this game. Yeah, anything with sort of drafting in, I like. And so, yeah, the the different spots on your board require different values of dice. And so if you want to make sure you want to activate something like, you know, you want to generate some beer that you can use because beer is going to bring in customers, right, Tony? Mm -hmm. And customers are going to give you money. And money's the other resources that you can use to spend to get better workers and other things into your tavern. So it's this really cool resource mechanic. And Tony, you said it was a uh, deck building game, which is 100% true. But what I love is at the beginning of the round, we open the tavern or like we call it the Taverns of Tiefenthal. And you start flipping over the top cards of your deck. Anytime there's a customer, 
you put it at one of the tables at the top of your board. Starting out, there's only four tables. But in your deck, you can also have dishwashers and guys who can create beer, which is what you want. You want the workers, a lot of workers in place because it gives you a lot of dice manipulation, extra resources to spend. But as soon as all your customer tables are full, you stop. You deal out no more cards. And Tony, there were times when you might deal out five cards and four of my customers and you're really kind of messed up because you have really no way to generate beer. Unless you get a certain token that allows you to discard all those cards that you just dealt and start again. So in this game, and I felt, Marty, this was a great part of it was there was a way to mitigate that bad draw. There was a way to mitigate dice rolls that you don't like. There was a way to add dice to your pool because everybody has an additional dice and the dishwasher can add up to three dice to your roll. Those three dice are not communal. They are yours only. They're your color. You're having to spend money to upgrade your tavern. There's a lot going on, but it was an engine, wasn't it? We were having to get that engine going in order to be able to generate the beer, generate the money to get the customers in, to upgrade our tavern, start the next round. And it was constantly that rehash. I loved it. I, I thought thematically, I just thought it was so cute of, all right, let's open up. And then we're going to be bringing in customers, getting work. And at the end of the night, we shut it down. We count the till. How much money do we have? We can use that money to buy some other cards. Hey, maybe we want to put a new table into place so that we can hold more customers. I really dug it. And here's the thing. The other game that came out that this was compared to was uh, Quacks of Quadlinburg. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a big fan of that because I wasn't a big fan of the push your luck. So when I saw this was coming out from the same designer, from the same publisher, I said, maybe I like this one better. I like this one way better. I really, really dug this game. And I, Marty, I thought it was a fairly light game as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a head scratcher at all. Like paladins that we just talked about. Be careful there. When you say it's not a head near that last move, we were all sitting there. I mean, this game is, uh, everybody can do their simultaneous actions, but on that last turn, all of us were sitting there thinking, how can I get the most? And that was kind of funny. You know, we were just flying along, flying along. And then suddenly we hit that big speed bump and we were like, Oh, Mm, hold on, I got to think about this because I need this dice, I need this dice for this, and to do this, and then how can I do that to get the most points? That, to me, I enjoy that at the end of a game where you sit there and say, okay, this is the final engine. How can I benefit the most from it? Oh, and you can hate draft, too. Because oh, yeah. you can look around and see what dice people need and take it from them, and Mark was getting really upset at me because I kept doing it to him. Yeah, Hate drafting is always a good thing. And we weren't supposed to use names anymore. We're going to use Fred and Barney from now on it's because we screwed that up, and we'll talk about that in the outro. I personally really enjoy this game, and for me, this will be on the shelf always. Hope to get it on the table, too. But that is... The Taverns of Tiefenthal. And Tony, we just talked about the base game. There's actually four more modules in this game. Which I'll leave for you to discover on your own. Five-minute initiative is complete. Here in the States, we just finished our Thanksgiving holiday where we get together with family and friends, eat a lot of food. Wait a minute, Marty. Uh, yes. I'm distracted. I feel like I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. <laughs> 
wasn't there a turkey drop recently? What is going on here? Oh my goodness. I was not expecting you to, to go that way, but yes, uh, <laughs> for the Thanksgiving day festivities, I wore my turkey drop shirt and, uh, it was funny. We were talking to our son, boy, this is a tangent, isn't it? Talking to our sons. They had no clue what that was about. I said, it's one of the most popular TV episodes of all time. And Adam went, uh, is it really? <laughs> so let's tell everyone where we had our turkey drop this year. We had our turkey drop here in Enterprise, Mississippi, where Vanessa was not born and raised, but was raised. Yes, raised. And I would like to introduce everyone to my younger brother, Bob Purvis. Hello. I'm barely old enough to remember WKRP <laughs> in Cincinnati. <laughs> you, you remember some wild tales of it. <laughs> uh, okay, boomer. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We are not boomers. We are we are heavy Gen Xers here. We're all in Gen X together. Oh, okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to tell everyone that Bob is my Arkham pal. So he and I are heavy into the Arkham and just introduce everybody to him. And that when we get together for holidays, we do always play games. So please, Marty, tell everyone what we played this year. What we did play a game of Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. Yes, we did. Which was an amazing experience. And we won. Yes, we (laughs) did. You can rarely say that when you play Arkham Horror, but we pulled that off. But the game we want to talk about today is a brand new game from Haba. And a lot of people may know Haba as the... A lot of people view them as the publishing company that makes board games for kids. And they're trying now to say, well, yeah, we do some make, make some great board games for kids, but we also make some games for adults too. They make board games for everyone. They have said it clearly on their box. <laughs> That's true. That's their kind of new Every slogan. One. What is it? Ages. This one is ages eight to 99. Exactly. And this game is Miyabi by designer Michael Kiesling, who a lot of you may know as the designer of Azul, which is one of the most popular games out there right now. He's been around for many years. He made the game Vikings, which I'm a huge fan of. And now he's come out with a brand new game called Miyabi, which at its core is a tile drafting and tile placement game where you have a grid that is six by six and you have these tiles that you're going to draft. There are single space tiles, tiles that are two spaces, tiles that are three spaces, and then like an L-shaped or a corner-shaped tile, which is three spaces. And when you place a tile, you're going to get immediately get points, the size of the tile times the level that you're on. So if I place the tile right off the bat and it's it's one of the three length spaces it's three times one for the first level get three points so yes over the course of the game you can start stacking tiles on top of each other and get uh increased points so if i place for example a two length tile on a stack of three three times two is six but what is really cool about this game is the rules behind the tile placement fun fact marty miyabi is japanese for elegance grace or refinement Just like my voice. (laughs) The 36 square grid is really interesting, and you think you have a lot of options to lay tiles, but you have a limited group of tiles to choose from. And all players are choosing from the same pool of random tiles each round. And so you just have to get what you can and make it work the best you can. Each tile only has an icon on one square of the full tile. Mm -hmm. So the tiles that have two or three spaces still only has one icon. And on the icons, I just wanted to say, well, uh, another quick little tangent. When I go to read a book 
and I choose a book, I look, I read like the jacket or look at the cover. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this, because Marty is all the time saying, Vanessa, will you play a game? And of course, y'all know, I go, oh, but I said, let me see the box. It is a beautiful, beautiful box. The cover is a work of art. So the icons are a maple tree, a pagoda, fish, azalea bush, boxwood and stone so you have your like they said the icon on the tile you can only place your tile on the row that matches that icon then at the top you have your column indicator so wherever your icon fits on that column you have to raise up your lantern which is a little meeple lantern basically a little meeple lantern so there is a lot of strategy going on here you have to really think about where you're going to lay those tiles. So if you want to try to picture the grid, basically you've got numbers one through six across across the top for each of the columns. And then each row has one of those icons that you listed. Now, thing is, though, is after you place one of your tiles and you lift that lantern for the rest of the round and you're going to draw six tiles per round, you can no longer place an icon in that column. So now you have to place it in one of the other five columns. So that's where it starts getting tricky. The further you go into the round, you have less tiles to draft from, which gives you fewer choices. And you're trying to fit them into those couple columns or spaces you have on your board that you can actually legally place a tile. And as you go throughout the game and go throughout the rounds, you will stack tiles on top of one another. So then some icons will be covered up and some icons will be visible. And at the end of the game, there will be scoring based on your visible icons. So you have to keep in mind what icons you're covering or not, and each tile has different amounts of icons even though it's only on one space. A tile with three spaces has one icon, but it has three different maple trees. The number of icons on that tile is the size of the tile. I want to talk about the points for a minute because the thing with the Connell family, first time we play oh, here a we game. Go. Here we go. I always win the first time because <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, but it was not true this time. <laughs> I really tend to enjoy games that I beat everyone at, and this game is no exception. Miyabi, two thumbs up from me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's, I thought you was going to reference how I sometimes forget to mention scoring. I think it did a pretty good job in how the scoring's done on this one. So when you place a tile, you immediately score. Yes. And there's also that if you can stack five of one particular type of icon, five tiles contain the icon, you immediately get a token that gives you an immediate bonus for stacking five of that same type tile. But get ready for the in-game scoring. Because the person with the most visible icons of each row gets uh, bonus points, and then the person with the second most will get a few less bonus points. And if everyone is trying to stack tall and nobody pays attention to who's got the most icons, then usually that person will win. (laughs) And that is what I was referring to, because I was trying to do several stacks and levels, and Bob was paying attention to... Again, how many icons are on the tile, which is what I was trying to point out. That's right. And so it's one of those things you have multiple ways to try to score points. You're going to try to do the big, the level stacking. And some other icons are worth more. Like the, the icons towards the top of the grid give you more if you stack five as the ones towards the bottom. And not every icon has the same number and st- shape of tiles. They have different ones. And there is a chart in the, in the box that shows you which icons are on what shaped tiles. But Marty, I found that 
the difference in how many tiles of each icon wasn't that big of a difference compared to how different they scored. Mm. The stones score the least and the maple trees score the most even though the number of tiles aren't that different between the two. So then there's this probably this big fight for all the maple trees. And if that's the case, it's like, well, maybe I'll instead go for the stones because they're easier to get. I think that's exactly right. So that's a good overview of the game. So let's give our final thoughts here. I mean, Bob, your daughter actually happened to play with us and she is how old? My daughter's eight years old. She figured out the rules very quickly. But the strategy is very deep. So as soon as we finished, immediately she said, can we please play this again because I understand it now. So this is one of those games where you can learn it in a few minutes, but it takes a lifetime to master. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks great as you're mastering it because, again, that cover is a work of art. Yes, I would definitely play it again. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, it, even though it's from Hobbit, do not think it's just a kid's game. They are trying to give games that are for all ages, and this is one of those cases. And again, let's look at the designer. Michael Kiesling came out with a brilliant Azul game, which is, again, one of those that is an easy game to learn, but it's tough to master, and he's done the same thing here. And it gets pretty thinky after a while. In a four-player game, we play four rounds, and in that fourth round, when your board is starting to fill up, and it's your turn to draft a tile, and now you've got limited places that tile can go, and you're trying to maximize your points, I think all of us probably suffer from a little bit of AP at that point. Oh, I I suffer from that all the time. (laughs) Round one, I was frozen. (laughs) But it's still a great game. It's a fast setup, it's it's a fast play, and it's perfect for in-between Arkham games. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's true. So that is Miyabi. Coming out soon from Hobby Games, designer Michael Kiesling, two to four players, 45 minutes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's go heat up some leftover turkey and have a meal. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. Now, Marty, I'm... I need to apologize. You mentioned our Podge Pledge backers, and I have been delinquent. You said on, Podge Pledge. Nice. I know. Until that site goes away, it will always be there. I don't <laughs> care. Until that year is up. I have been delinquent with the RPG, guys. I want to apologize for that. But uh, something's happening in my life, Marty, and there's a reason for all this. Oh, you're pregnant. No, I'm not. Oh. Stop it. Don't tease me like that. As you know, we moved into our house two years ago. Yes. And we have been dealing with some various warranty issues for over two years now. Oh, don't you love that new house warranty crap? Yes, I do. So we knew that for over a year, they had been trying to figure out why the floors squeak so bad. Okay. Okay. All right. Come to find out that the, I'm not faulting the engineer, the architect, the people who framed it. Don't any of y'all who do this profession get mad at me, but it seems they forgot to put supports under certain parts of the house where the load bearing walls are. Not good. No. So they have to add those and they did that. They added them. Okay, good. And they jacked the house up and made sure everything happens. But when they jacked the house up, Marty, they basically gave them, gave the house speed bumps. <laughs> You got uneven floors in certain spots? I now have uneven floors throughout the whole downstairs. Oh, jeez. So uh, when this started back in September, and we've been waiting on the engineering report to come back and say they've gotten all the foundation in, and come to find out they have, they've done that correctly. They just got, let's see, 
happy with their jacking of my house because they cracked <laughs> jacking some. Jacking of the sounds so funny. I'm uh, jacking the house. I'm jacking, jacking the house. So they even cracked some walls, but the, and cracked some tiles. Oh. So they're going to have to come in and they have to level the floors. Well, in yeah. order to do that, Marty, Uh-oh. they have to rip up all the hardwoods under on the main floor, rip up all the carpet, oh. rip up all the tile. Oh, jeez. Rip up all the subfloor. So I have to move out of my house for four weeks. What? They're coming to pack up my house, and I am moving to a hotel for four weeks. When is this going to happen? January 6th. Oh, my gosh, dude. I am so sorry. That is horrible. And we thought they were going to come back, and we knew this was coming, but we thought they were going to come back and tell us, you know, in the October time frame, right? Yeah. Well, they've been dragging their feet on that, and that is why I have not committed to doing that, because I didn't, I could have committed to it, but I had no idea if I, what my hotel internet was going, if I was going to be in a hotel, where I was going to be, and so I apologize to the backers. I will get to you as soon as I can. I've got the survey. I've figured out the times. I've just got one issue with one time, but other than that, I'll be getting that out to y'all. And so hopefully you'll have some free time in December, guys, and we will get that RPG out there. But so Marty, in January, when we're recording the show, you know how you always kid me about being in a hotel when we record? You're actually going to be in a hotel living there. <laughs> That's right. For, for a month, maybe two. The longest streak in the neighborhood, because this has happened in three other homes, has been one person lived there for four months. Uh, somebody needs, somebody needs to be sued or, or something. This is, this is bad. Yeah, this isn't good. So anyway, and I'm not going to throw shade on my builder, Dr. Horton or anything, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was that well, Dr. Horton? I, I think it was Dr. Yeah, Dr. Horton. That's right. Okay. So anyway, but that's, that's my news while you're in PGG <sighs> con, I'm getting all this good news and I couldn't wait to you know, record with you. So yeah. Oh, man, I hate that. I hate that. You know what I also hate, too, Tony? What? When we're sitting there playing games with people and we say the wrong names of the people that we play with because we get to play with so many great people that it all just starts to run together. Kind of like games do, like getting the longest road in Catan confused with Ragusa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would like to apologize to to Bert, (laughs) who we... We well, let's see, what was it? We get, I don't even remember what we're talking about. And we Star Fairs. Okay, that's it. So we were saying Mark and Nate were playing, and it wasn't. It was it was Mark and Bert, and he, we got a good chuckle out of that. But Tony, I think we decided we just need to drop using real people's names, right, and just go with generic names so we can't leave anybody out. From now on, it's going to be Fred and Barney. We were playing a game with Fred and Barney, the Flintstones and the Rubbles. That's where we're at. Fred and Barney. If I'm using that, that's what I'm using. Well, let's throw in Betty. I was going to say Betty and Veronica. That's, no. that's Archie. <laughs> Thelma and Louise. No, it's uh, <laughs> Wilma and Thelma. No, Wilma and... Betty and and Wilma. It is Betty and Wilma. Okay. Well, the, okay. So, <laughs> so if you think about it, doesn't Mark kind of look like Fred? Oh, dude, that's just not nice. Well, he, he does. He's got the cute face. You know that cute? I bet if Fred had the a cute a beard. face. Yeah. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Oh, speaking of Mark, which leads me to Nate, which leads me to this. We got a copy of OP Arena from WizKids, which has our card in it. Sweet that Nate Bevins designed. That's right. Nate Evans and, and Robert Burke designed this. It we're on a card called the Two Headed Etten. 
So I can't wait to, to try that sometime. Did you just say Nate Evans? I might have said Evans. Look, I don't know. Dude, <laughs> I've been dealing with BGG and broken fingers, and we're packing to go to Mississippi, and it's going to be a nine-hour trip, and we're not leaving till late. I don't know what's going on. And what are you doing with the pups? One's coming with us, and one's being boarded. Okay. Taz coming with? No. The small <laughs> one's coming with. <laughs> Oh, Taz in a car for nine. Now hours. that I know you dog sit, I should have given them to you. That's right. I've been dog sitting lately. So yeah, I could have done that for you. Taz would have been a joy. Absolute joy. You would love Taz. Yeah, I would love Taz. I'd love Zeke too. So anyway, uh, so any other news that you need to share? Have we gotten any games from um, Asmodee recently? Yes. Yeah. A wavelength was one of them, but we, we've uh, talked about that earlier. Again, solid party game with a cool mechanic. I recommend checking it out if you think you'd be interested in that. But uh, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll give that one away. Let's. I know what. Let's let's give a copy of that away as part of our contest. How about that, man? Since I've not played it, sounds like a winner to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> works for me, man. Giving away games I ain't played yet. Oh, we ain't gonna. Okay. Oh, and oh, and that's the other thing we got to figure out: package delivery and mail for a month. Oh, jeez. I got to figure all that crap out too. Oh, it's unreal. So either way, with life, just keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, we're having a contest. We had that survey. Please go fill it out. Then join our Instagram, Facebook, at Roll Dice Take Names, BGG Guild 1589. Or you can support us on Pod Pledge. Everybody gets an entry. So, Tony, you know, we always like pick on Rodney. <laughs> it's a given. In his video on the rules for the Taverns of Tiventhal, he talked about there was this one element, uh, this module that used schnapps. And he was saying schnapps. And I'm like, what is that? Snaps? Have you ever heard that before? I've never heard. I, well, I've heard snaps on a pair of pants. I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> snaps on a pair of pants. So I'm sitting there going, Rodney, Rodney, you silly person. We're going to make fun of you because it should be snops, not snaps. Well, luckily, Tony, <clears throat> we went and looked it up before <laughs> we did it. And once again, when it comes to word pronunciation, we're wrong. It is snaps, not snops. Once again, a great man taught us that you've got to identify the customer's problem and solve it in your commercial. So, do you have games that are a mess? Do you have games that take forever to set up? If so, do I have the solution for you? That's right. Go over to thebrokentoken.com where they have got your organizational problems figured out. You've got a game that you want to take on your trips on your holidays and you're scared that it's going to get jumbled and messed up before you get there well the broken token they probably have an organizer that will keep it all nice and tidy so when you arrive at that holiday destination that game's ready to go that's right go over to thebrokentoken.com for all your game organization needs and that will solve your problem thanks ignacy for all the help on commercials mm-hmm.